This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Well, we are diving into another week of critical thinking. Last week we began this, just a two-week thing leading us up to Father's Day. And uh, maybe you think you're good when it comes to critical thinking. Well, let me give you the definition. It's the objective analysis and evaluation of an issue in order to form a judgment. It's problem solving, right? But what we're doing is we're just kind of playing off of those words. If you were to turn that around and you were to say, I have a problem with thinking critically, then that's kind of what we're addressing. We're just calling it critical thinking. But it's interesting that in that definition, the word judgment is there because when it comes to thinking critically, how many of you know judgment is involved and it's not in a good way? We're judging others based on what we think they should do with their lives that they're not doing, or maybe a situation that they should do differently. And so if you have that kind of a problem, that's what we're addressing today. And when we have a critical thinking problem or a thinking critically problem, whichever way you want to say it, there's a few things that are involved that we talked about last week. Comparison is involved. Pride is involved. Jealousy is involved. And as I already mentioned, judgment is involved. Now I want to kind of catch some of you up. Maybe you weren't here last week. Just to kind of let you know what we talked about as we talked about complaining. Because complaining is when we think uh, our life is not measuring up to what it should be. So we talk about the things that are wrong in our own life. We complain about it. And I even had someone come to me after the sermon last week and they said, I am going to, they set a goal of going an entire week without complaining. Unfortunately, they're not here today, so I can't find out how that went. But I am going to ask how they did with their one week of not complaining. But one of the, there was two points, very simple, wasn't very deep, but we said this, if you can change your circumstance, if there is a problem and you need to do something about it, then do something about it. That was just it. I mean, why just sit there and talk about it and complain about it when you could get up and do something? And I was reminded of this this week as I received an email. Uh, For some reason, I don't even know how I got signed up on this, but uh, when we moved to our house on Dunn Street where we live now, somehow the U.S. Postal Service got my email, and I get an email every day letting me know if what mail is coming to my mailbox. I don't even know why I need that. I should take the time to just unsubscribe and get out of that. But every day I get an email that tells me what's coming. It's going to get there, so I don't really need to know that. But through that email, I got an email this week. Anybody else get those emails? Okay, then you probably saw the email that I'm going to talk about. They sent an email out this week telling us that over 5,400 postal employees were attacked by dogs just last year. Now, I don't know where that fits, like according, I mean, based on 2020 or 2019, I don't know where 5,400 fits in there, but it seems like a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of postal workers fighting with dogs. But rather than just complaining about it and saying, all of you people out there are the problem and criticizing those who are dog owners, rather than doing that, they sent out an email and this was providing information on the do's and don'ts of responsible dog ownership as part of an annual National Dog Bite Awareness Week. That's what I did. I laughed when I saw that. It's Dog Bite Awareness Week. 
You didn't know that, did you? Well, hopefully you celebrated and kept your dog in the house when the postal man went by. All I know is, rather than just saying there's a problem and complaining about you, what they did is they decided to do something about it. So they made an awareness week, and they're letting you know, hey, 5,400 of us got bit last year. Do something with that dog of yours. That's pretty much what it came down to. If you can do something, do it. And then there's the what if. Chad, what if I can't change the circumstance? And the second part of the message was, if you can't change the circumstance, then maybe you should change your perspective. It reminds me of a story. Story of a man who was coming home from work one day, and there was a ballpark on the way home, and a little league baseball team was playing. So he pulled in and decided to watch the game. He walked in and sat down behind the first base dugout. And he was talking to one of the kids, and he said, hey, what's the score? And the little boy looked up at him, really smiling real big, and he said, it's 14 to nothing, we're down. And the guy's like, well, you don't seem very discouraged about that. What are you smiling about? And he's like, we haven't even been up to bat yet. (laughs) It's all about perspective, right? If you can't change your circumstance, maybe you should change your perspective. So that's catching you up. When it comes to complaining, there's times where we need to just stop complaining and do something. And today we're going to talk about criticism. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I'm not talking about the feedback you give someone that you care about to want to help them. What I'm talking about is the critical, nitpicking, unkind, judgmental, cruel criticism that we often give towards others. And the problem with criticism, there's a lot of problems that have this same issue, but it's very difficult to see in the mirror. We don't like it when others criticize us, but we have a hard time realizing when we're doing it because we have some kind of um, justification to it, if you will. When we're criticizing others, we're justifying it by saying, well, if they didn't make such a poor decision, if they, didn't just, if they just spent their money better or whatever it might be, we justify our criticism. So it's very hard to see this in the mirror. Now, I want to look at a scripture this morning. This is a scripture that, honestly, even most people that don't go to church will know this scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. But what I wonder is how many of us read on past to see verse 15. I'm going to read 14 and you'll be like, oh yeah, we know this scripture. What's it say? It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I can do that. But what's verse 15 say? Anybody know verse 15? It's already up there. You can cheat and tell, read it out loud to me. Here's what it says. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. I love that it says that. I love that it says, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Just from your words. It's not talking about going around going, you know, biting people. It's talking about how you speak to one another that you can destroy one another. Connor and I got to go see the new Jurassic World yesterday. And as I was watching that, knowing I had prepared for this, I kept coming back to this scripture. Because the whole movie is about these dinosaurs that are not only taking people out, but they're fighting one another and they're going at one another the whole time and it's full of action of these dinosaurs just like, just gnawing on each other. And I'm like, that's what this is talking about. Watch out, if you bite and devour each other, you will destroy one another. It's all through critical words. 
all through how we speak to one another. You have no idea how that's destroying the potential intimacy in your marriage. What if your critical words are driving a wall between you and your children? What if those critical words are keeping you from being able to share the love of Jesus with your coworkers because all they ever hear you do is speak critically? So I want to look at a couple of other scriptures this morning. These are what we would call contrasting scriptures. They they speak on both sides. So I want you to hear this. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 is the first one. And this is what it says. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Isn't that interesting? It's an interesting way to put it. Solomon knew what he was saying. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. They cut deep. They leave wounds. They hurt. And are you going to be wearing that? Or is that really how you want to go out of the house? How many of you ever said that? Did those pants shrink or did something else happen there? Think about the words that we say. Oh, I love your curtains. Those will be nice till you can get some better ones. You ever hear something like that? I don't know who your beautician is, but you should try mine because... Whatever you got going on isn't working, you should come to mine. Not my beautician, I'm just using the words of things I've heard before. So words cut deep. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but what's it say on the other side? But uh, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Man, let that sink in for just a moment. What if your words could bring healing to another person? What if what you say actually encouraged someone else? Rather than criticize people, what if we spoke words of wisdom that built one another up? And here's another one of these, Ephesians 4.29. It's a contrasting scripture. It talks about both. Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Right? But here's the other side. But... Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's the same as that thing of of words that are healing that we just read in Proverbs. Now it's saying the words that we speak could benefit others. Maybe not even just the person that you're speaking to, but all those who are listening could benefit from your words. So here's what I hope you understand. Pretty simple. You have no idea how a word of criticism can pierce someone's soul and stick with them for years and years. But in the same way, you have no idea how God can use a single word of encouragement to build someone up, to give them the faith to keep going. And just as we mentioned last week, your words have power. Now, I remember as a high schooler, I've mentioned before that my youth pastor, my senior year, between my junior and senior year, he became a district youth director. He traveled all around southern Missouri, spoke at youth camps, and then he put on his own youth camp. Uh, I say his own. It was for the district, but a youth camp at Lake of the Ozarks. And I attended that camp for six years in a row. I would help every year, starting my senior year, and I would just do the games or rec or whatever. That's where Courtney actually first met me. I would get up on stage and have the kids come down and play games up on the stage. And uh, I told everyone that she had BO, and they believed it, so they just kind of steered clear of her. I wanted the guys to just leave her alone, so it worked out well. But she was so mad at me. I made them call her Bow Girl, so she was really mad about Sorry I told that. I didn't give you any warning that I was going to tell that. I will pay for this. (laughs) 
But I remember seeing all these youth pastors bringing these kids in and pastors coming in, you know, overseeing their students as they were at camp. And I was looking up to these people as I got to know them over six years. The same people were coming back every year. So we got to know a lot of them. And man, it's what I wanted to do. So I loved getting to know them and just looking up to them and learning from them. And one of these pastor's wives, it was a, is a pastor and his wife who brought their kids every year. And she was also the youth pastor at their church. Radiant Life Church in Neosho, Missouri. They're still there to this day, pastoring that same church. And one night, Jeannie Robinson, the pastor's wife, came up to me at one of those camps, and she said, I would love to have you come on a Wednesday night and speak to my students. And I cannot tell you how excited I was about that. I'd never done anything like that. I knew I wanted to do it. I was preparing myself to do it, but I'd never done it. And that she would even give me the opportunity. I was so excited about that. So I went home and I started working on a message. My dad pastored, right? I had been at camp all summer for four weeks. For six years, I'd heard a message every single night. I'd been a part of the youth ministry, but I'd never written my own sermon. And I sat down and I'm like, what am I doing here? I got to figure out how to do this. I got to come up with about 30 minutes of something to say. And I start writing it out. And I'm like, okay, I got to have plenty of content. I want to have more than enough because I don't want to go too short. But I want to make sure what I'm saying is going to make sense. So I'm, I'm going through it. I get it all prepared. I get to Neo Show. Get ready to speak. Of course, I'm nervous. First time ever. And I get up there and I welcome the students, say hi to them. And I start preaching. And 10 minutes in, I'm almost done. 10 minutes, and I thought I had overprepared. And I'm looking at it, I start repeating some of the same things, trying to make it sound super spiritual, and I'm like, God, you gotta have some kind of altar call where all the kids come down and cry and pray for like 20 minutes to make up for what I didn't do. And you know, I'm just looking for anything here. And, and so by 15 minutes in, I'm done. I mean, it's, I, I got nothing else. I, I, could, I had no more notes. So I'm just like, well, that's it. So I had them bow their heads and I prayed. And after it was over, I felt so bad. I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry, Jeannie. And you know what? She came with the most encouraging words. And she's talked about how passionate I was. And she said, you had some really good points in there. And she said, it's okay that it was a little short. You kept their attention for the time that you had. She was looking at everything positive in that moment. And I learned something that night. And it wasn't just that I needed more content for my sermons. Actually, it's the opposite now. I get too much and I go too long and I have to file some out. So uh, you know that problem that I get to go too long sometimes. But you forgive me, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to take it anyway. <laughs> but I learned the power of encouragement. I learned the power and the difference it can make just to speak kind words. But it also reminds me of good old sister so-and-so. And you say, who in the world is that? There's one in about every church. But for me, I have someone in mind because I can remember her very vividly, and I won't give you her name in respect for her, but at one of the churches that Courtney and I served at before, we had sister so-and-so, and I don't know if you grew up in church at all, but where I grew up, we called everybody brother and sister, and I remember when I was younger, uh, there was this guy like 80, and he was on the deacon board at my dad's church, and we called him brother and sister Hobbs, and I was like, I'm 10 and they're 80, how are we brother and sister? It didn't add up to me, but that's what we called each other, and so sister so-and-so was that person that was super spiritual. 
I mean, when she worshiped, she worshiped the loudest. She wanted everybody to know that she knew the songs. Every time the door was open, she was there. Man, she loved Jesus. But at the same time, if someone walked in the door that she did not agree with or that she didn't like how they were dressed, man, she threw her nose up. What are they doing here? How dare they wear something like that into the house of God? Good old sister so-and-so who had nothing good to say about those people that would walk in just because they didn't line up with her because our words can either give life or they can take life. So I want to talk about two types of people. You can be a fault finder. A fault finder is actually, quite honestly, where most of us go because of our sin nature. For some reason, we tend to look for what's wrong first before we see what is right. Think about it. In any situation, we always go for the negative first. And if you're married, watch out. Because if you know this, you can take a relatively good person and pick them apart. Well, I don't like the way they breathe. You're laughing because you know you've had that conversation. I don't like the way they chew. Well, they tell too many jokes and they're too silly or whatever it is. I don't like the way they sleep. Whatever it might be, you can pick some of the greatest people apart for the simplest things. If your boss, I don't like the way they run a meeting or they never have a real plan when, they, when we get together. I can't believe the picture she posted on Instagram. If she loved Jesus, she wouldn't post that. She loves her body more than Jesus or whatever you might say to that. I can't believe that pastor drives like he does. He probably ought to get that sticker off the back of his Jeep if he's going to drive like that. Whatever the criticism may be, are you going to be a fault finder? A fault finder, let me remind you, that's a lot like the Pharisees. That's what we see of them over and over in the Bible. They would find fault in those who were not living like they lived or didn't believe what they believed. Actually, it's just like the devil. You know, there's lots of names for the devil. But one of those, let's just go through a few. He, he's considered the deceiver. He's considered a devourer, the prince of darkness, the father of lies. But he's also considered an accuser. As in, he would go and accuse people before God. What does, what does he do? He finds fault. He's looking for, to point out your faults and he wants you to see those to see that maybe I'm not good enough to be serving God. Maybe I'm not good enough to be at church. He loves for you to say that. Did the pastor just call me a devil? Hey, if the horns fit, okay. I'm just teasing, nobody's a devil. But we can wind up being like that. We can find fault in others. And we also, because we're insecure, that's why we criticize others sometimes for the very things that we ourselves our weekend, we will look to point out others in the very area where we are weak. From a distance, many times there's things we know nothing about, yet we think we know how they can run their life better. I remember before I had kids, and I would be walking through the grocery store, and I would say, oh, I will never let my two-year-old act like that. Yeah. Yeah until I had my own two-year-old. And I realized you don't negotiate with terrorists. It doesn't work. And they just, that's how they're gonna be. And you find yourself, I'm sorry my kids, I love you, but when you criticize others, it's very easy until you find yourself in that spot and then all of a sudden you're going, now I get it. 
Now I get it. I didn't understand. We think it looks, makes us look smarter when we criticize, that we look like the expert, that we're showing how good we are, but really what it's doing is it makes you look insecure and mean-spirited. That's just the honest truth. So ask yourself, have you ever met a critical person that you want to be like? Think about that. Remember good old sister so-and-so. Do you really want to be like her? Speaking of critical women, which we were not. There you go. I thought you would get that. Proverbs 21, 19. Before I read this, I'm just having some fun here. This is totally fun. I'm just, just reading this because it fits. Guys, if you're hearing this, I'm going to give you a word of advice. If you're sitting by your wife, hold your elbows together. Look straight ahead. Do not nod. Do not agree with me. Don't say amen to this. Proverbs 21.19 says, Better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. I'm just reading God's word, okay? That was not a very good laugh. I'm just teasing. I'm just joking. I'm totally, that works for both of us. Guys, you don't need to move to the desert and live alone, okay? It's all right. But we touched on this last week. Criticism, it truly comes from judging another person. You're judging how they act, how they speak, whatever it may be, you're judging them. And do you really want to do that? Do you really want to be that person? Because the words of Jesus are going to bring this home today. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus was very clear about this when he said, do not judge. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use is the measure it will be measured to you. Do you really want to be that person that's criticizing others and judging others when you know it's coming back? Have, anybody ever remember, uh, I, I went right to this. I'm a little weird like this. I'm going to, um, I don't know. I, I'm just weird. I'll put it that way. You hear the phrase from Apple where they said there's an app for that. They wanted to try to make a big deal about apps. So they had this whole slogan, there's an app for that. As if there was an app for everything. I want to bring out a toy that I grew up playing with. And it's such a high-tech, amazing toy that I had to find a Christmas bag with a deer on it to put the toy in. But there is no app for this toy. You could not create an app. It's so technologically advanced. And it's something that's called a yo-yo. And there's no yo-yo app, right? The yo-yo is its own thing. You're not going to recreate it. You're not going to make it any better. You could only make it worse. It's pretty amazing what the yo-yo can do. The speed at which you send it down is the speed at which it's going to return. Every time, yes, this one lights up. Connor said they would make fun of me for that, but uh, I think it was kind of cool. So I like the light up yo-yo. The speed at which it goes down is the speed at which it's going to return. And there's a principle all throughout the Bible. It's a principle that many of us have heard. It's the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity. And if you think about this, it's much like the yo-yo. And when you start to criticize someone, when you begin to judge someone, I want you to remember the yo-yo. Because it will help you remember that at which you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. When you give, you will be given back to. When you forgive, you will be, if it comes back, forgiven. 
If you show mercy, you will obtain mercy. The law of reciprocity, all through the Bible. And what did Jesus just tell us? If you judge, you're going to be judged. Before I move on, one trick. Anybody know rocking the cradle? Huh? Come on, here we go. Real quick, there it is. I, got, I had to practice that yesterday. That was from years ago, so it's been a while. Still, I couldn't believe I remembered, but I did. When you find yourself criticizing others, let's be honest, many times it's because we judge ourselves. Think about this. We judge ourselves according to our intentions, but we judge others based on their actions. Well, I might have done that, but I didn't mean to. It was by accident. But when someone else does the same thing, we think there's some ulterior motive behind it. What if it was an accident for them? We don't know. But we judge others based on their actions. We judge ourselves based on our intentions. Be careful that you don't do this with your children. I have to be careful of this and remind myself of what it was like to be 11 or 15 or whatever age they're at. That I judge them not based on their actions, but there's also their intentions and realize where they're coming from. Do you want to be a fault finder? Or do you want to be a life giver? Do you want to be a fault finder or do you want to be a life giver? Paul spoke life into people. Paul was very good at encouraging other people. I want to give you some examples of that. Romans chapter 15 verse 13. Paul said this, he said, may the God of hope, man, this is so full of goodness right here, so make sure you're hearing this, underline it, highlight it, whatever you gotta do, but listen to Paul's words, as if he's speaking to each and every one of us today. Listen to this, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, that in itself sounds so good. Sounds so uplifting. It's full of hope. It's full of joy and peace. And it's praying something over us or speaking something over us. It sounds so good, but it gets even better. Look at the next verse. Verse 14, he says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters. There it is, one of those church statements. Brothers and sisters, all of us. I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Man, that is speaking life into us. That's speaking hope and joy and peace. Every time he spoke, every time he wrote, he was not gonna tear people down. He was gonna build them up. He was not gonna let unwholesome talk come out of his mouth. Only that which was helpful for building life into other people. Let's see some other things that Paul wrote. He said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That ought to make you feel good about something right there. That's good news. He said that the Holy Spirit helps you in your weaknesses. Even in criticizing, the Holy Spirit can help you in your weaknesses. He said that Jesus is making intercession at the right hand of God the Father right now. Intercession, if you don't know what that means, Jesus is praying for you. Right now, that should give you hope. Paul said that we can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That should give you hope today. And we can learn something from that. Are you gonna be a fault finder or a life giver? Filling people with hope, filling people with joy, filling people with peace. Do you wanna be one of those like the Pharisees who found fault with people? 
like the devil who's always looking to accuse. Jesus, there's so many metaphors for Jesus, I don't have time for all of them, but he's known as the bread of life, the living water, the good shepherd, the door, the living vine, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. First Timothy, Paul calls him Jesus our hope. Uh, Titus 2 calls Jesus the blessed hope. First Peter calls Jesus the living hope. I think we're pretty clear, Jesus is full of hope. Are you sharing Jesus with others? Not just by saying, do you know Jesus? But by the words that come out of your mouth. Not even when you're talking to that person. There may be four other people standing over here, but they hear what you're saying. And your words are either taking life or they're giving life. Whenever someone would sin, the Pharisees were very quick to point out that sin. They were very quick to accuse. Think of the woman who was caught in adultery. So they throw her before Jesus. Talk about all that she's done. Many of you know the story. As they begin to accuse her that Jesus just knelt down in the sand. Didn't even say a word. He just began to write in the sand. Love to tell you I knew what he wrote. But I don't know. Scholars believe that he began to write the sins of all those that were accusing her. All I know is what he wrote was important enough and good enough to shut the accuser's mouth as they stopped and they turned and they walked away one by one. And Jesus looked at this woman and he said, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? And she looked up and they were gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. I want you to understand something. He didn't say, what you're doing is okay, just walk on by. Just go on back to doing what you were doing. No. He still addressed the sin. He said, now go and sin no more. He wasn't condoning what she was doing, but he was offering her life along with it. Not just accusing her for the wrong she had done, but just saying, now it's time to be different. Today, all I'm doing for myself and everyone in this room is helping us look into our heart and say, what are we doing? Are we complaining? Are we criticizing? You know what I would say to that? I don't condemn you. I've got my own pressure, my own things to deal with. But can I tell you something? We can turn around, walk out of here sinning no more. We can be set free, full of hope, full of life, and full of peace. So much so that before long, that begins to just overflow out of us. That's what, that's what Paul talked about. By the power of the Holy Spirit, hope will just begin to come out of you. Peace, joy will just begin to come out of you. That's what this town needs. That's what our surrounding area needs. That's what this world needs. And that's why we're placed on this earth. So will you bow your heads with me right now? That law of reciprocity just keeps coming back to mind. Every time you think about saying those words and letting that judgmental thought go into your mind, think about the yo-yo. Is that really what you want to do? Do you really want to say those words about that person? I'm going to conclude this Sunday 
just as we did last Sunday. We're going to read the scripture in Psalm 103 over us. I believe there's power in scripture. I believe it's great to pray scripture. But before I pray this prayer, before we take this to God, I just want to ask you, in this moment, so we look into our own hearts, maybe you're one of those who says, Chad, I've, to be honest with you, I have trouble complaining. I have trouble looking at others' lives and saying, God, where's mine? How come I can't have what they have? They always seem to be better than me. If you've had trouble dealing with complaining in your life, or you find yourself criticizing and judging others, if that's you, I'm just asking you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender to say, will you pray this prayer over me and I'm gonna make a commitment right now that I can change, that I can go and sin no more, that I can walk out of here saying, I wanna be forgiven of this, but I also wanna let it go. I don't wanna keep doing these same things I've been doing, saying these same things, thinking the same things that I've been thinking. So if that's you in this room, I already see hands going up. Anybody wanna raise your hand and just say, I'm making this commitment to you today, God. Anybody else before I read this scripture and pray it over us? Psalm 103, 1 through 4. says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. I need to let that sink in just a moment. It's not the good things he does for other people. It's not the good things he did 20 years ago. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. just as the woman at the well caught in adultery. He didn't condemn her. He just encouraged her to go and sin no more. So Father, today, for those who raise their hands, God, for every person in this room, really, I pray that you help us. Help us to search our hearts. Help us to know our hearts. God, it's hard sometimes to see this in the mirror. We can justify the things we say sometimes don't even realize we're doing it. Lord, help us to see us, who we really are. And Lord, be willing to change. Be willing to let you do a work in us that only you can do. And may we go and sin no more. We can be different. I thank you for the redemptive love of Jesus that allows us to walk out of here set free today, forgiven. If that's you in this place, maybe you walked in just never having received Christ in your heart. I want to tell you, this is a great opportunity to do so. 
Invite Christ into your heart. Let him redeem you today. Father, for any person who needs that today, I pray they find the salvation that only you bring. We thank you today that we can learn from your word, that we can take these principles, apply them to our lives, not just say, here's another good Sunday, let's go have lunch, let's move on, let's go do something this afternoon. God, we're focused right now on saying, I want to change who I am. I want to become more like Christ by removing this from my life. And I pray that we can do that today. Applying what we've heard. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.